0: Hello and welcome back to Painting the Corners and our Top 10 Right Now series. We are going into the deep end. We are talking starting pitchers today, the top 10 starters in the game, trying to boil down five starters per team, 30 teams. That's 150 starting pitchers trying to take it all the way down to 10. And it was a tall task. I don't know about you, Logan, but this list was certainly tough to make. First of all, just a lot more names to consider in the pool of applicants, and I'm excited to see how far apart we are on our list. So without further ado, let's get into the top 10 starting pitchers right now.
1: right on the head Johnny this was such an interesting unique list to make because not only the sheer number of people going under consideration but how do you weigh guys when it comes to innings pitched it's it's very difficult unlike you know when you're looking at guys with at bats usually for the most part you're considering guys that are within you know the 400 at bats from one another you know sometimes there's an outlier here and there but with these pitchers, man, the amount of innings pitched is is massive. There's gaps between certain guys, and there's some really good pitchers, and you know they're really good, who just haven't pitched a lot in the last couple years. And it made it very, very difficult to kind of figure out that top 10 list. And I'll say this, I did some personal tweaking on my own after I did the statistical breakdown and put my rankings more so than any other list, given that, because There are certain guys who just have had different stories. You can't compare two guys. Uh, For example, I'll use Justin Verlander and Jacob Jacob DeGrom, just as two guys in terms of innings pitched. Both guys have not really thrown a lot of innings in the last two years combined, but for two completely different reasons. Um, You know, DeGrom's dealt with injuries two years in a row. Verlander obviously didn't pitch at all two years ago and then came back to the year he had this year. There's so many cases like that. You have rookies. Injuries with pitchers just makes this much more difficult to do.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah, as you said, there's different types of injuries. Tommy John, you know, is a more kind of well-known science now at this point. Um, Some of these guys, you know, rotator cuff surgeries, labrum surgeries, thoracic outlet syndrome and stuff like that. There's just so many different types of injuries and types of recoveries, and every guy recovers differently. So it's super tough to project that, and that's why we try to rely on the stats as much as we can.
1: Totally, and one other kind of wrench thrown in there was the age of guys, because obviously you have guys going in their primes and stuff. But pitchers can sometimes age a lot differently than hitters, and we've seen that with the Max Scherzers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you presume Jacob deGrom will probably age similar to that when he gets into his upper 30s, he's nearing there. And then you have Verlander, who's literally in his 40s. So that just was so difficult to know what to do with. But I think it makes for a fun list and probably some fruitful debates, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's get into those debates. Let's start it off. I will kick it off with my list top 10 starters right now. Uh I will say I'm fairly comfortable with the 10 guys in my list. There's a few guys that I could definitely see swapping out, but um fairly comfortable with that. The order though, there should be room for discussions about the order. All right. So, with that said, the 10th best starting pitcher in baseball according to yours truly is Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves coming in at number 10. He's just been a very solid pitcher for several years and then really took his performance up another couple notches the last few years. You're looking at a guy who has a two seven four ERA over the last three years, or excuse me, over the last two years. And, you know, really all these guys when you're looking at these this kind of cream of the crop have ERAs under three. That's almost the benchmark to even be in the the conversation for top ten starting pitchers right now. So, yeah, he's got that very, very good ERA. Solid strikeout numbers, not, you know, the top of the list, but certainly above average. And then very solid walk rate, only 5.2%. So, he's not allowing those free base runners and making sure that hitters earn their way on base, which is always good for a starting pitcher, especially. Don't want to give up too many walks. Okay, coming in at number nine in the same division... Different team from the Philadelphia Phillies, Zach Wheeler. Wheeler came in very high on this list previous year. Didn't have quite the same season this year. He was hurt for a little bit, so only managed about 140 ish innings this year, but still stellar while on the field. 280 ERA over the last two years, but a 271 FIP, implying that his strikeout walk and home run rates are a little better than Freed's. He strikes out a lot more guys, 28.2%. That's really elite and also only walks 5.5%. And the big thing about Wheeler, which we saw on display in 2021, not so much in 2022, uh, was just his, you know, workhorse ability. Go deep into games. In 2021, he threw over 100 pitches in almost every start, went into the eighth inning in, I think, you know, almost half of his starts. Just really a guy who can completely dominate a game for you off the bump. A lot of these guys are going to go out and give you six very solid innings, but Wheeler can go out and finish you a game. Um, And I think that uniqueness kind of sets him apart from some of the other guys in consideration and merits a spot on this list for sure. All right. At number eight, his teammate on the Philadelphia Phillies, Aaron Nola. Another guy who's going to give you a lot of volume. And he is kind of the exception, actually, to my sub-3 ERA little rule that I just mentioned. Because his ERA is actually only a little bit under 4 for the last two years. But check out his FIP, 295. It's almost a full run lower than his ERA. And if you're looking at strikeout and walk rates, he's actually better than both of the guys that I've already mentioned, Freed and Wheeler. 29.4% strikeout rate. And a 4.4 percent walk rate. that's extremely elite and the fact that he's getting beaten on you know balls in play, doubles, singles, he's not he's giving up too many home runs for what he should be. So he graded out really well in the little luck portion of my uh, of my system here because for the amount of balls in play that he's allowing and the quality of contact he's allowing. He should not be giving up this many runs. Part of that is due to the terrible Philly defense that he's been in front of the last two years. And part of that is just luck. And so you're looking at these stats, the strikeout rate, the walk rate, the FIP, and you're saying that even though he has not performed at the same level as the other guys on this list, he really should be in that same, he is in that same talent pool and he should be considered at that level. That being said, I personally don't really think he's a top 10 starting pitcher. He came out really well on the stats and on the numbers. But if I'm just looking at Aaron Nola, I think he needs to have another dominant year like he had in 2018 or 19, whatever that was, place third in Cy Young voting before we can really kind of consider his case again as a top 10 starting pitcher. But he does come in at number eight for me. At number seven, now, of the New York Yankees, pitching for his third team in three years, Carlos Rodon, an absolute strikeout machine, led the National League in strikeouts last year. Has a 2.67 ERA over the last two years and a 2.24 excuse me 2.42 FIP, by far the best marks of anybody so far on this list. Check out this strikeout rate. Over the last two years, he's striking out more than a third of batters he's faced. percent that means a third of the guys don't even have a chance to put the ball in play against him that's basically a free out every single inning he's out there he's basically playing the game of baseball with two outs against him instead of three so that is extremely extremely elite 33.9 percent strikeout rate walk rates about average at 7.1 percent he can get bitten by the home run ball which may be actually a little bit more of an issue in Yankee stadium as compared to Oracle park where he was pitching last year. But since he strikes out so many guys, that shouldn't be too much of a problem as the guys like, you know, Verlander Scherzer Degrom have shown us over the last few years. Solo homers don't kill you. Those guys all give up a lot of home runs and they all are extremely elite pitchers. He should be fine in New York. He is the seventh best starting pitcher in baseball coming in. At number six, one of the toughest guys to rank, Shohei Otani. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that he's really this high on my list, but he is. And for uh, no intervention on my part either, he's pitched almost 300 innings over the last two years, which is absolutely insane when you consider that he's also had 600 plate appearances each over the last two years. And his ERA is right there with everybody else in this list at 270 Strikeout rate, again, super elite, 31.4%. He's also lowered his walk rate to 7.4% right around league average now. Uh, That was a concern for him definitely earlier in the year. And it looks like he's really made an adjustment on that because last year it was even lower. Definitely still improving on that. He is just so unique. I mean, even ignoring his hitting exploits just as a pitcher, he mixes in so many different pitches and even just changes his repertoire in the middle of the season. He added a sinker last year uh, around August and then all of a sudden he was throwing it more than his four seam fastball by September. Just a a generational pitcher even if you don't consider his hitting. So he comes in at number 6, at number 5 another guy very tough to rank. You already mentioned him because of the injuries, because of the time off the field. I don't know, you know, where to put him, but He can't miss the list. He's just so elite when he's on the field. Jacob deGrom, now of the Texas Rangers. Boy, that sounds funny to say. But yeah, deGrom comes in at number five. We all know what he's done when he's been on the field. I mean, 2018, 2019, 2020, he was outstanding. And then he somehow found a way to be even better in 2021. His ERA was literally one, basically, the whole year. And That's just unheard of. He would have had a legitimate shot at breaking the single season ERA title, ERA record in the live ball era, had he finished the whole series, uh, excuse me, the whole season. But of course he didn't, had a stress reaction in his back, had to be shut down for the season. And then when he was rehabbing, preparing for the 2022 season, he had a shoulder issue. So definitely different injuries keeping him off the field which is in some ways better and in some ways worse than one big injury so just hard to quantify that but you know he finished the year healthy with the Mets didn't have you know quite the outstanding season that he did in 2021 this year when he did pitch but he finished the season healthy he was still throwing basically 100 miles an hour so by all accounts the Rangers should be getting the healthy version of DeGrom at least to start the year and of course as baseball fans we're all hoping that DeGrom can maintain that health throughout the year. But, of course, he is now going into his age, what, 35 season, I believe? So, definitely a question mark, as you said earlier, about how long he can keep throwing that heat up there. Okay, now into the top four. And at number four, Justin Verlander, replacing DeGrom at the top of the Mets rotation And a very similar story, again, as you mentioned from the top, had Tommy John surgery after only one start in the 2020 season, missed all the rest of 2020, missed all of 2021, came back in 2022 uh, for the Astros, and nobody really knew if he was going to be the same Verlander as before. Um, There's a very, very limited history of guys in their late 30s having Tommy John surgery and coming back, despite all the odds, despite all the expectations. He went out there, and all he did was win the Cy Young, one seven five ERA. If we were just going on last season, he would by far be number one here. It's just pure domination. A two four nine FIP. He struck out twenty eight percent of hitters. Walked only four. You know, absolute dominance from Verlander. He still is just looks like he hasn't missed a step going into his age forty season. It's unbelievable that he's still performing at the level that he is, but. If he's still doing it, you got to think that he's going to do it for another year, you'd think. I have definitely baked in some age-related regression here. I actually have a 24% regression on Verlander. I don't know how accurate that is, but uh, just based on aging trends for pitchers, even that was only enough to slide him down to number four. So yeah, that tells you how absolutely dominant he was last year and how dominant I expect him to be next year for the Mets. And coming in one spot ahead of him at number three, his brand new rotation mate, Max Scherzer. Another guy is very similar to Verlander, entering his late 30s, um, but still performing at an elite level. You know, when you think of Scherzer, it almost, you know, you think of, oh yeah, he's been hurt too the last couple of years, but he's still at 324 innings over the last 2 years which is two full seasons basically 162 innings apiece uh on average he was hurt a little bit this year but he still made 53 starts over the last 2 years so he's in better health at least over the last 2 years than Scherzer or excuse me than Verlander and DeGrom and he has been pitching at just about the same level a 2.38 ERA i believe that's the best over the last two years of anybody so far that we've mentioned, strikeout rate is still elite, almost 33%, 325 and walking less than 5% of guys he's facing. So Scherzer still getting it done. The fastball doesn't have the same life on it as before, but he's mixing in the cutter, the slider more. The changeup has actually kind of come back to the front a little bit over the last couple of years and that slow curveball. He drops in there occasionally as well. Yeah, Scherzer... Another guy you just can't really bet against. All right, so we've got two spots left here. And this is really kind of a matter of preference for me because I couldn't really put either of these guys lower than two, but they're very dissimilar. You know, they have different approaches to how they get guys out, and they're both extremely successful. And it's basically a question of do you want the volume or do you want the just absolute elite strikeout ability and run prevention over shorter spurts and after much hemming and hawing about how much to weigh certain things and I mean this for the whole field not just for these two guys uh, how much to weigh the strikeouts how much to weigh the innings pitched and the total batters faced and all that I came in with my number two as Sandy Alcantara of the miami marlins absolute workhorse or i talked about what wheeler did two years ago for the phillies alcantara has done that both the last two years five complete games this year one of those was a shutout he went into the eighth inning i think in half of his starts this year 65 games started the last two years 434 and a third innings he's averaging over 215 innings per year that is unreal in today's game as a starting pitcher and the era is right there 271 in the range with everybody else here just pure dominance from sandy uh the strikeout rate of course as i mentioned is not as high as some of these other guys only 24 percent, still above league average walk rates a Still, also below the average at six percent, very good. But man, yeah, with Sandy, you're just betting on the amount of quality, quality, quality innings that he's going to give you day in day out. When you when he takes the hill, you're expecting a long, long performance and a good one too. So, Sandy Alcantara is my number two starting pitcher in baseball, and that leaves Corbin Burns as the best starting pitcher in major league baseball so over the last two years burns you're looking at a 271 era and a FIP well below that at 246 strikes out almost a third of batter's face 32.8 six percent walk rate and burns is kind of the balance actually um, between alcantara and the scherzer verlander de types because He has that elite strikeout rate, the elite FIP, doesn't give up too many home runs, and also he's pitched 369 innings over the last two years. So I really wanted somebody at the top of my list who was both that elite performance and the volume. Didn't want to put Verlander or DeGrom at number one or Scherzer, and I didn't really want to put Alcantara at number one just because the elite elite strikeout rate wasn't there, and so I found that balance. With Corbin Burns, he comes in at number one.
1: Oh boy, Johnny. Well, we don't have a, a single person at the same spot on our wow. list. Okay. <laughs> so this is going to be a treat to figure out. And another thing is I can kind of see where our differences lie. Not in every case, but in some of these cases. And I think kind of the biggest differences we have is how we weighted volume. Uh, I think you valued it a little bit more than I did, for sure. And not that that's a bad thing. I don't necessarily love how much I weighed it, but I also felt like it was a case-for-case basis, so who knows? Um, but with that said, I think I'm just going to rip the band off and get into it here. And you mentioned that you felt like there was a top 10 guys that you were pretty happy with that were the top 10. Well, I felt like there was a top 8 that I was very happy with, and then 9 through about, I don't know, 15, 16, I think now not all of them had the same strong case, but I think there was a case for about seven, eight, nine guys who, again, not all of them had strong cases, but I think there was a case. But given that, my number 10 is a guy who had the least amount of volume last year of anyone, or over the last two years, excuse me, of anyone that we considered. But the numbers were mind-boggling. And that is not... Max Freed, but his teammate Spencer Strider. And let me tell you a little bit about Spencer Strider and why I love me some Strider action. Given the 20 games he pitched last year and only 134 innings, I get the volumes low, but boy, what in 134 innings they were. He pitched to a 269 ERA, but listen to his FIP, 1.97 FIP for Spencer Strider. And a big part of that has to do with a thirty-seven and a half percent K rate. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is the walk rate at eight percent. But the ground ball, fly ball rates are about pretty much where you'd like to see them. Um, obviously you'd love a higher walk, or excuse me, you'd love a higher ground ball rate than fly ball rate, and he does have that. So, a lot to like about Strider putting up four point eight WAR in one hundred and thirty-four innings. That's pretty special. So I couldn't leave him off my list, given the sheer dominance that he produced. And I think it's fair to say that if he produces even eight-tenths, nine-tenths of that in a full season next year, a lot of which uh, Steamer predicts he will, having him come in at amongst all starting pitchers that we considered to have the third lowest projected ERA next year, I think Spencer Strider can find himself in the top five of this list if he can replicate any sort of success that he had last year. So like I said, my number 10, Spencer Strider. Coming in at number nine, someone who you also did not have on your list, and that is going to be Tampa Bay Rays pitcher Shane McClanahan, another guy who just loves to strike people out. Last year did it at a 30% clip, matched that with a 6% walk rate, 50% ground ball rate, something that I think is a little bit undervalued in today's game, similar to Max Fried, though, who produces a 51%. The reason that I went McClanahan over Fried, and the reason I compared the two is not just because you had them on the list, but because I thought they were very comparable in certain aspects of, of where they were positionally on my list. McClanahan, to me, just is a better guy of not putting people on base. Uh, he's going to strike people out at a higher clip, uh, 7% higher. While the walk rate is slightly higher than that of Freed's, it's not significant enough for me to consider it. Obviously, Freed has a little bit more durability proven in his career, but for me, McClanahan, just has so much upside and another guy who can, I, he started the all-star game last year. So there's a ton of talent in McClanahan's arm. And I just continue to see that progress. At number eight, finally, someone that we agree upon and not positionally though in our list. And that is going to be Shohei Otani. You know, I liked i liked your argument for Shohei. and I'm sure we'll debate this one in the future. I just couldn't put him too much higher than where he's at, given the names ahead of him. But like I said, I'm sure we'll get deeper into that. At number seven for me, one of the Philadelphia pitchers, but not the one you liked over the other. I have Zach Wheeler coming in at number seven. Just really, really like Zach Wheeler. I, To be honest, I've always liked him more than, than Nola. And a big reason of that is because of the ERA. I love Nola's projected stats, and he was bouncing in and out of my list a bunch of times because those FIP numbers are just proving that he's getting unlucky and he deserves a lot better in the ERA category. Two years ago, he had the ERA in the 4.3 range. And last year, while it was better, it's kind of tough to overlook that 3.9 accumulative ERA over the last two years, the worst amongst anyone we considered. So I just couldn't squeeze him on. But if it makes you feel any better, he was my 11th best starting pitcher. So he did just miss. But yeah, Zach Wheeler, I just think this guy's very talented. He's really good at striking guys out, keeping people off base paths. A lot to like about Wheeler and his 2.8 ERA over the last two years, over 366 innings pitched. Coming in at number six for me, a guy who has dealt with his injuries uh, the last two years, and the numbers still back him up as one of the elite pitchers in the game though, but he is getting up there in age, and that is Max Scherzer. You did a good job touching on him. Obviously, we have a difference in value on him. You had him at three, had him at six, but I think that we both realize that he's a special talent and deserves to easily be in our top 10. At number five for me, one spot off of yours, we were close, I guess, on this one, and that is Justin Verlander, Scherzer's teammate. You know, it was a tough debate between those two guys, and I I think, obviously, Max Scherzer being younger helped his argument a little bit, but Verlander's year last year was simply incredible, and I couldn't stomach putting the guy who won Cy Young Award in the American League with a 1.75 ERA, and ironically, 175 innings above, or excuse me, below the five spot on my list, and so, therefore, I had him coming in at number five. At number four, and I was laughing when you said this earlier, because you said you had a consensus one and two, and I did not have this guy as a consensus one or two, and that is Sandy Alcantara. You know, the volume there is beyond impressive. And trust me, it was something that I considered. And I have my case for why I don't believe that he is a top three pitcher above the guys I put ahead of him. But, like, I'm I sure I will concede in the future because Alcantara is incredible and what he does is an anomaly. And I could easily stomach putting him at number one even. So, you know, this top four, I think, is an elite group here. And there's a case for all four of them because – Coming in at number three, which you had at number seven, is Carlos Rodon. And I say that so dramatically, not because you had him at number seven, but I thought your argument to why he was a number seven pitcher was uh, evidence enough to put him a lot higher. I thought you, you made a great argument to why he should be a top five pitcher at minimum. But, you know, I agree with everything you said. The guy just strikes out the world, and he does such a good job of just not letting people cross home plate, 2.67 ERA over the last two years with a FIP that's lower than that, a lot to love about Carlos Rodon, New York Yankees next ace. Now coming in as the 1-2 debate, I think you guys can probably deduce that it's come down to Burns and DeGrom for me, and while I did consider the lack of volume for DeGrom, let me just read some of the stats off. Because they are nowhere in the ballpark of anyone else that we considered. And again, I understand that they are on a smaller sample size. But I don't think too many guys, if any of these guys, put up these statistics over 156 innings at any point in their career. Granted, I'm sure the ERA won. But listen to this. Like I said, over the last 156 innings he's pitched, he's pitched to a 1.9 ERA with a 1.6 FIP. A WHIP at .63 Okay, A K rate of 44%. So we were talking about Rodon's elite, 33%. He's at 44. And get this, a walk rate at 3.4%. So the difference between his strikeout and walk rate is 41%. That is unheard of. People aren't even striking guys out at 41% cliffs in the starting position, or from the starting pitcher position. And he's just doing that based on his net difference between K-rate and walk-rate. The numbers are incredible. And I say all of that to say that he is my number one pitcher, meaning that Corbin Burns comes in at number two. I just couldn't look past DeGrom's excellence here. And I know he's a tough guy to rank. You mentioned it earlier. And like I said, could he drop? For sure. The volume just isn't there. But the sheer excellence that he produces when he is on the mound was something I couldn't overlook. So I had DeGrom as my number one and not to overlook Corbin Burns at number two because like you said he is the perfect balance and I think he was an obvious number two for me no one really came close other than the ground
0: whoo all right yeah that is a a lot of differences for sure by far the most different lists that we have had not unexpectedly so we were talking about this uh off pod that this might be a big a big one wow yeah okay before we get into debating too much I want to touch on a few names that we didn't mention, guys that are elite starting pitchers in their own right, starting off with Garrett Cole, because he has been a stalwart of these lists for the last five years or so, and not a peep from either of us regarding New York's ace, or maybe former ace now that Rodon is there. Where did he rank for you? So for me, he actually found himself, and like I said, he was part of that group that I
1: feel like there's an argument to put him in the top 10 though I think his argument is a little bit weaker, I had him all the way down at number 17.
0: Oh my gosh. No way, dude. I literally had him at 17.
1: Okay, good. That makes me feel better because there's a lot of things about Garrett Cole, projection system from Steamer, that really like him for next year. And he usually is going to put up pretty good war numbers. But it was surprising to me to see that over the last two years combined, he only put up 8.5 war. And I know that's not a great argument for pitchers, but at the same time, I think that's telling that he's only averaging about 4.25 over the last two years. That's not elite Garrett Cole that you think of. And so for me, I, there was just a lot of guys who I think have more upside than him at this point. I think he's a very good pitcher and you know what you're going to get from him, but I just don't think the upside's there anymore.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's there. I, just, I think it hasn't shown itself so much over the last two years as it did over the previous two years. He's still going to strike out a bunch of guys. But, yeah, the home runs have really become a problem in Yankee Stadium. We'll see if that happens to Rodon as well. But, yeah, you're just looking at, like, you know, low to mid-three ERAs over the last two years, which is, you know, by no means bad. It's really good. But all these guys above him are much better. So, yeah, interesting that we haven't mentioned him or that we didn't mention him. Also, no Kershaw. Not too surprising, given that he's been... Uh, in an, on and off the injured list over the last several years. Of course, he was dominating these lists in the, the 2010s, the late 2010s. Woodruff, as well, was another name I had in contention. Gosman, Cease, all guys that had very solid years last year. What about those guys? Were there any of those guys in your just-missed category?
1: So, yeah, Woodruff is very similar to Garrett Cole for me, and so they came back-to-back. Back. But I will say with Gausman, he actually was in my top 10 list originally. And I moved him out. And the reason I did is because I really was like, okay, this guy has good FIP numbers. But I remembered, oh, wait, Gausman is a ground ball pitcher for the most part. He's throwing the splitty. He's trying to get induced contact on the ground. So the FIP is going to be a little bit low. So I kind of docked him a little bit for that. And given some of these names, I just didn't feel like he was a top 10 pitcher in baseball right now. But I will say this, he did come in at number 12, so he was close. And, and you know, like you said, Kershaw, man, so tough to rank. I think he's a top 10 pitcher in the game with the numbers he has if he's five years younger. I just think at this point it's tough to put him on there. Uh, two other guys that I'm curious where you were considering were guys who have just put up really good numbers the last two years, especially last year, and that's two lefties in Frammer Valdez and Julio Urias.
0: I actually liked one of those guys a lot more than the other. So it's interesting that you group them together. Valdez fell all the way to 27th on my list, which I was very surprised about. Um, I don't think that's too accurate. Um, And the lack of consideration towards ground ball rate definitely hurt him in my rankings. So that might be something to revise for next year's list. Um, Urias came in at 15th. I never seriously thought of him as a top 10 starting pitcher, because kind of for what I mentioned, you know, when I was talking about Wheeler, about guys going deep into games, Urias went over 100 pitches only, I believe, two or three times last year, averaging less than six innings per start. So I just don't really see somebody like that as a top 10 starting pitcher. Yeah, granted, he had a super great ERA, but, you know, he doesn't have any elite, elite strikeout rate. He's just... You know, really good, but he, he needs to take that next step in terms of going deep into games if I want to consider him for for a top 10 spot.
1: Yep, you and I are thinking similar, similarly on those two guys. Valdez uh, is kind of an anomaly when you're not knowing his name because of that 68% ground ball rate over the last yeah. two years, which is just, I don't even know, my goodness. That's more than double a lot of these guys. Yeah, definitely an outlier there. Um, but like I said, I think... And you kind of mentioned it on all these guys. They have cases, but they're not super strong cases. And I think we considered some of the guys with super strong cases uh, in more than just one facet of their game for this top 10 list. So with all of that said, Johnny, it is time for us to try to come together on this and and have a little kumbaya list. So this one, it's got to start from the top. It's just too many names at the bottom of the list jumbled all over the place. And I might argue that we have a consensus number one because you have Burns at one and I have him at two. And I mentioned that I was totally considering Burns for number one. So I'm good with putting Burns at one.
0: All right. Yeah, I totally already made my argument for Burns at one. So if we can get that out of the way, Corbin Burns is painting the corners top pitcher for 2023.
1: So then coming in at our number two spot, going to be a little bit of a debate because... (laughs) Your number two drops to my number four, and my number one drops to your number five. So both those guys, if you average them out, come in at the same spot, at number three. So it's kind of tough to put one guy over the other based on the law of averages. So I guess we're going to have to say it's going to boil down to whose argument we liked more. And I really think it comes down to what you were saying earlier, which is, do you like volume or do you like dominance? And clearly, I prefer dominance. And I think right. you lean towards volume. That's very true. So that's a tough debate. And so I can quickly say my piece on Sandy as to why I don't think he is as good of a pitcher as he may seem to be because of the sheer fact of the innings that he throws. You're mentioning the 271 ERA over the last two years, and that is accompanied by a 3.19 FIP. While it's in the threes, a lot of guys. FIPS are slightly higher, slightly lower, so it's tough to say that that's terrible. Like I mentioned earlier, DeGrom's FIP is in the 1.6 range. Again, gotta throw in the fact that he's thrown almost 300 less innings. So, considering all that, the whip for Sandy is pretty solid. It's 1.02. Again, this is over the last two years. The K rate, though, is at 23%. It almost half DeGrom's. I don't know, man. It's just, I, just, I don't think Sandy is this special, like, pitcher in terms of you know he's not gonna strike out 10 guys 12 guys every single game Uh, and that's evident by his stats here but the sheer volume he's just a he's just a dude he just goes out there and says i'm better than you and give me the ball for 120 120 pitches a game and i don't care i am just gonna get outs and i don't care how i get them i'm just gonna get them and there's value to that no doubt
0: oh yeah it's it's super tough because these guys are pretty much two of the most different pitchers on this list. You know, DeGrom, obviously, I think DeGrom is a better pitcher than Sandy. I, don't, I, I think pretty much everyone agrees that he's the best pitcher in the world when he's on the mound. But the multiple injuries thing really scares me. You know, when he had the the back injury in 2021, it was like, oh, you know, well, he had this injury, but it was kind of a freak injury. He'll come back from it and he'll be fine. Uh, And then at the beginning of 2022, he has a completely unrelated injury. And, you know, at that point, you start to think he's 34 years old. He's averaging 99 miles an hour on his fastball. Maybe his body just can't really keep this up at this level. I don't know if that's true. I'm not a physical therapist or anything, but I don't know. I'm just not very confident that DeGrom is even going to throw 100 innings this year for the Rangers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the basis of the argument of why he wouldn't be in front of him. Because if you're looking at what Steamer projects for next year, they have Degrom at a two six five ERA, putting up five and a half WAR, and they have Alcantara putting up a three point five six ERA with four WAR. Very good numbers will make him a top ten pitcher in baseball. But what they have Degrom doing in, albeit forty less innings, it's not even close to anyone else that they're even considering. So you know, I guess again, it's Valuation aspect here. of What do you think the Grom can do? And even if he is healthy, can he throw 170 innings? I think that's probably where he can get to if he stays healthy all year, but he's not going to go too much more than that. But those 170 innings are going to be more valuable than Sandy's 230 in, in a war category type of thing. So I guess with all that said, and your arguments are kind of making me think a little bit differently at the moment, I'm good with putting Alcantara at number two if I can get DeGrom at number three from you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's fine. I don't think I would put him too much lower than that. I had him at five on my original list, but he was honestly really, really close with Verlander and Scherzer. Extremely close, actually. Could have gone either way there. So I'm totally fine putting DeGrom at three, and uh, we can battle out the scrum of the middle portion of this list next. Sounds good. So we got our top three,
1: and now we kind of got to figure out our four, five, and maybe even six here. And I think it's somewhat of an interesting debate, because you have Scherzer ahead of Verlander, and I have it flip-flopped, but we both have him back-to-back. The biggest issue here is my having Rodon at number three, and you having him all the way down at number seven. Right. You know, I you kind of gave your case on Rodon, and I just kind of want to highlight some of the things that you said, because... Like I mentioned earlier, I thought your argument for him kind of proved why he was a top-five pitcher. Carlos Rodon last year threw 178 innings to a 2.88 ERA, so granted not a top-10 ERA in baseball, but he pitched to a 2.25 Okay, He is striking out, like you mentioned, 33% of the hitters he faces, so that's a guaranteed out that he's essentially getting every inning. He was second in baseball last year in starting pitching war behind only Aaron Nola I don't know I'm not a huge war guy with starting pitchers but when you put up a ridiculous flip like a 2.25 it's tough to overlook and when I go over to Steamer to see how they value Rodon they have the guy having the third lowest ERA going into next year and the second most war amongst all starting pitchers there's just a lot to like and I think that he's proven now that he is this pitcher he's proven he can stay healthy I think the only concern is in going to a new team and a new league and all that sort of thing. But if you're just valuating the pitcher, I think he's definitely better than Scherzer and Verlander, especially given his age. I mean, he's going into so he's going into his age thirty season here, while, you know, Verlander and Scherzer, who you have ahead of them, are going into their upper thirties and Verlander's case is low forties. I just think Rodon is a much safer play. And I think he's an elite starting pitcher in the game today.
0: There's no doubt he's he's an elite starting pitcher, and there's no doubt that his age is certainly an advantage. I just want to draw your attention to one stat in particular. You mentioned new league, new team for him, going from San Francisco to New York. I want to talk about the new stadium that he's going to be playing in, because last year at Oracle Park, Carlos Rodon had a 6.5% home run per fly ball rate. So that means he could allow 100 fly balls, and only six or seven of them, would go out for home runs. The league average on that is about 11%. Granted, he's not a league average pitcher. He's really good. So if I you know, bring in his barrel rates and stuff like that, the quality of contact he's giving up, I calculated that he deserved about an 8.8% home run per fly ball rate. And that's still really good. But now, if you're going to move him from one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in terms of home runs, Oracle Park, to basically the least friendly home run park, you're starting to look at oh, what's Garrett Cole's home run per fly ball rate? Hmm, 17. percent That's almost three times as much as Rodon. So if you're telling me he's going to give up say twice as many homers as he gave up last year just by pitching in this different ballpark, I don't know. That might knock him down a few pegs. I don't really know how much of an effect that's going to have. He could make an adjustment. He could become a little bit more of a ground ball pitcher. But I'm just saying that that is something to be considered for sure.
1: No, I think that's a fair thing to consider. I wouldn't adjust him on my list whatsoever, but I think it's something to consider. And and like I said, I just think Rodon is proving dominance at a advantageous age, whereas Verlander and right. Scherzer, who, again, are in a more pitcher-friendly ballpark, no doubt, but, I mean, their fly ball rates are no different. Actually, Scherzer supports a higher one, and we know that Scherzer is home run prone. So, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see, and that stuff is, you know, that's getting into the real nitty-gritty there, and, you know, I don't know. I Just for me personally, I don't think Rodon is is worse than Verlander or Scherzer, and especially when we're trying to see who goes into next year. But at the same time, they're all in the same little ballpark. So, you know, it's not like I'm saying Rodon is obviously better i just think i like him better going into next year
0: yeah and given the age and everything with that i th- i think i do too probably i just want to make sure that we're not all of a sudden crowning him as better than he has been over the past few years so i would be fine with putting Rodon at 4 given the fact that really everyone else available in the immediate immediately following him is pretty much 10 years older than him so Yeah, let's put him in at number four.
1: Okay, and with that said, I think the the next little short debate we're going to have here, and I say short because I'm going to side with what you have, is Scherzer versus Verlander. Who goes over the other? I had Verlander based on the year last year, but I just think Scherzer is younger. He's a little bit more projectable in terms of he's pitched the last two years, albeit not the entire season both times, but he's pitched. And he's shown you a little bit better projective stats and like i was kind of mentioning earlier with certain guys scherzer just has more work behind what he's done and higher k rate with the same walk rate as verlander over the last two years obviously verlander didn't pitch two years ago but i don't know i just think that you're picking between two guys here who are both getting older and are both elite guys and are both going to be Hall of Famers. But I think right now, going into next year, I think I would probably take Scherzer over Verlander. By a hair, but I would. So I'm good with with going with what you had and putting Scherzer there.
0: All right. And by a hair, for sure. But I think the little kind of subtle point in Scherzer's favor is he's really shown the ability to adapt as he's gotten older. Verlander continues to lean on his fastball, and it's continued to work for him, Uh, that fastball slider combination. But, you know, at some point he is going to lose that velocity and it could be this year going into his age 40 season. And it's always tough for pitchers to make those in-season adjustments. So I'm a little bit more confident with Scherzer. You know, he's mixed in the cutter, the change up more over the last few years, as I mentioned. I'm confident that he can maintain this level of performance, even if his fastball loses a, a tick. I'm less confident that Verlander will be able to pull off that transition um, in the middle of the season. Yeah, I think you said that
1: pretty perfectly. So
0: kind of sliding down
1: our list to seven and eight, and I think we can kind of group these together and let me know if you disagree with me here, Johnny. We only got two more guys that we each have on our list, and that is Shohei Otani and Zach Wheeler. Obviously, you have Otani at six, I have him at eight, and then I have Wheeler at seven, you have Wheeler at nine. Otani and Wheeler, man. I mean, it was kind of a toss up. Uh, Wheeler definitely has a little bit more body of work. Shohei, right. though, I just think he's slightly worse in almost everything except for K rate. And I just, that's the reason I put him. I just think he's slightly worse in like everything. And projection wise, he's just barely under everything for, for Wheeler. So it's just, it's very difficult.
0: And yeah, I mean, I see your point there. Wheeler has certainly been more consistent. I mean, you, Otani had a completely lost season. He's just had, a lot of injury history. He missed half of 2018 and all of 2019 with Tommy John tried to come back in 2020 and was complete disaster. He only pitched one game and blew everything up and had to be a DH only for the rest of that year. And then all of a sudden in 2021, he was perfect and in 2022, he was even better. And so I don't know if I completely believe, you know, he grades out really well because he's pitched, you know, basically a full season in each of the last two years. But if you look behind that, it's a lot foggier. And so I'm willing to kind of hedge against a little Otani injury, crossing my fingers that it won't happen. But I think his injury risk is a little higher than it seems since I'm just really looking at the last two years of stats.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. And it's tough. You hate trying to predict injury because it feels so wrong. It really does. But again, at the same time, you got to, to some extent. Though Steamer loves Otani, man. They really do. But like you said, Wheeler is really, honestly, kind of underrated in my eyes. It's always talked about. You know, there's a consensus in the baseball world that I think there's a case, obviously, for Aaron Nola ahead of Wheeler. But I just think Wheeler's a better pitcher at this point. I think he's done it for a couple more years. I know you like Nola slightly better than him. But I'm a big Wheeler guy. And. I think he kind of proved it again in the playoffs. He was really good. And I don't know, man. I think like you were kind of saying, I think there's a lot to like about Wheeler's floor potential than Shohei's because Shohei's floor is unfortunately not pitching too much because of injury and having to just focus on the hitting.
0: Yeah. And well, I do like Wheeler more than Nola. I tried to kind of sneak that into my my list because I, my my ratings like Nola better, but I can't really look past that ERA um, enough to put him in my personal, in my heart of hearts, top 10. Yeah, he just he just ranked there because he has good expected stats. But anyway, okay, Wheeler, we got at 7, Otani at 8, correct? Yes, sir. All right, 9 and 10. So I had Nola and Freed, you had McClanahan and Strider. I already said I don't really like Nola, so I'm not going to push too hard for him to be included. I do think Freed... Probably deserves a spot, although I can hear cases against him. As for your guys, I'm much higher on Strider than I am on McClanahan. I had Strider Interesting. at, uh, let's see, number 14, but he was very close. He kind of bounced around a couple times up towards that 11-12 range um, when I played with the with my volume weighting. And McClanahan was down at 18. It was kind of a bigger difference than that seems there was a pretty big gap uh, in actual ratings between them. So I don't know. I would I love Strider honestly. I mean, if he pitched any more than he did, I would be so so inclined to give him a spot. I have three little categories here. I've broken down the rate stats into two parts, the the kind of surface level stats like ERA and FIP and then the really predictive stats like strikeout and walk rate. And Strider came in second on both of those. And the only thing holding him back is the third category volume. He's only pitched, you know, 140 innings or whatever you said. And so, you know, if we're just going on talent or, you know, rate production, oh, my gosh, give me Strider all day, every day. He's probably the number two or three pitcher on this list behind DeGrom. Right. But yeah, the volume's not there. However, it's not there for a different reason. Strider hasn't been hurt. He's just a rookie. So there's no reason to think that he won't be on the field this year. It's just a matter of whether you believe that his performance was legit.
1: Totally. And that's exactly what you were talking about with Strider when I was doing these rankings. I was trying to figure out, I was thinking, who in the world is this? Because I could tell based on the on the Grom stats, I'm like, this is Jacob deGrom, no doubt in my mind. But I couldn't figure out who this beast was who had a low number of innings pitched. I was running through my head of some of the elite pitchers that had been hurt. I'm like, no. And then it revealed to me that it was freaking Spencer Strider. Just based on the, the stats that you were talking about, he's an easy top two guy. I mean, it's him and DeGrom at one, two. But then you have to consider in the volume, like you said. And that's what really dropped him, and obviously for a different reason than DeGrom. And I know your argument in what you just said right there was, oh, well, Strider, you have no reason to believe he wouldn't. And I agree with you. And my argument for having DeGrom so much higher than him, even though they had similar volumes, was because DeGrom has been doing this for so long, right. granted unhealthy. But. So either way, yeah, man, Strider's unbelievable. And I kind of mentioned it in the prelude that if he does this again next year, he's going to be in the top five. Like, there's no doubt. Absolutely. Because it's unbelievable how good he was. So kind of bouncing off a Strider really quick. I'm curious, and you don't have to spend too much time. Why do you think your system didn't love McClanahan as much?
0: I was looking at that a little bit while you were talking. I'm not entirely sure. It gets a little beefy here when I'm just looking at all of these stats in a giant box. Uh, It's hard to pick out what is really good or bad for a certain guy. He was a little bit lacking in terms of volume, not huge injuries, but little nagging stuff that kept him from, you know, going a full 30 or so starts each year. He also is a little high on the walk rate, not great there. But of course, he strikes out a lot of guys, or at least he did in this in 2022. In 2021, he was actually below the uh, average of our uh, constituents here. I don't know. I think he was just kind of in the average-ish range in terms of performance, and then because he had less volume, that slid him from probably, I don't know, maybe the 14, 15 range down to 18. I just don't think he's elite, elite. I think if he repeats this year, next year, uh, I think if he repeats the 2022 season he had next year, in a little bit more innings, he could definitely sneak into that 9-10 range. Um, I think it'll take a big step forward for him to get any higher than that, though.
1: No, I don't think that's unfair, and I just like McClanahan. I think he's a good pitcher, and I think there's a couple points I want to make on him. First off, pitched to a 2 5 ERA last year, so I think that's solid, but obviously the fib drops him down to a 3. But there's something that honestly pushed me over the edge to allow him to sneak into my list, and that was his steamer projections. I've mentioned them a lot today uh, because I really think that they're valuable, and, and especially with starting pitchers. Jacob DeGrom, like I mentioned, has the lowest projected ERA amongst all starting pitchers next year. Do you know who's number two? It's Shane McClanahan. They have him at a 3.02 ERA next year. That is second in the entire sport. So when I saw that, I was like, well, they like him. I already liked him. I had him at like 11. And so I was debating between him and Gosman at one point, and and I was like, well... Steamer likes him a lot more. I'm not a huge Gosman guy anyway. I think some of the stats are a little bit fluky. McClanahan, I love guys who strike guys out. But like you said, the one knock on him is the control. But I will say this. I think, and I think I'm a little bit more bullish on him than you because I think McClanahan can easily push himself into the 6-5 range. I don't think he's going to ever be the top five. But I think he can be inside that seven-six-five range next year if he does finding himself improving the walk rate because the K rate's elite. And you know that he can continue that based on the pitch mix and the, the spin race that he produces. I don't know. I'm a huge McClanahan guy, but again I don't think we're gonna find a spot for him in the top ten.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's good, but I don't think this year. I don't think this year he's getting in. Maybe next year. One other thing though, you've been mentioning your steamer projections. I used the bat projections and interestingly I almost didn't use any projections. I've been using them for every position. I really did not like these, just looking at them. You know, I know projection systems are very, they place a lot of emphasis on regression to the mean because they don't want to have so many outliers. They can't really predict who's going to be an outlier. So they kind of smush everybody into the middle. And it was just like, oh, really? Like you're going to project that Alec Manoa has a 4.04 FIP. That doesn't seem very realistic. Stuff like that. And I kind of went in between having them in or not. Um, and eventually, I decided to include them. And they're definitely a little bit different than Steamer projections because they have McClanahan at 336 in terms of ERA, which is higher than Otani, uh, Strider, Luis Castillo, who we haven't mentioned, Verlander, a lot of guys on this list Corbin Burns, Carlos Rodon. So that system clearly does not like McClanahan as much as Steamer does. Now, projection systems being what they are, I don't entirely know why that is. But that's probably a uh, reason that he dropped on my list, for sure.
1: No, that's fair. And it's always tough. It's always been tough through all these lists that we've done for me to know how to value the projection systems or not. But in this case, I did. Last thing I'll say on McClanahan, I thought this is more of an interesting note than anything, not really anything for us to consider here. But uh, Mike Petriello, who works for MLB Network, and his lists go up every time that they do them, he had McClanahan at seven, which... I think it's aggressive, no doubt, and I think you would agree. But just something to think about, there's people out there who are really high on McClanahan, and I understand the anticipation for him next year because if he can continue or improve upon last year, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. He can be the next race starting pitcher to be traded for prospects. (laughs) So with that said, um, I think we're good finding a spot for Strider and Freed. Is that okay with you? Because I like Freed. I had Freed just barely missing my list. There was part of me who wanted to put him on. I liked him a lot.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I think that's pretty much settled then because I like Strider. I'll put Strider at 9 if we want to cap it off with Street, with Freed at 10.
1: Yep, I am good with that. And with that, I think we kind of touched on everyone that we needed to touch on. And, and like you said, there's a lot of difficult decisions. And even the Strider-Freed debate, I'm sure we could find a million different arguments for Freed over Strider. But I think given Strider's potential for next year i think that's a fair spot for him so let's check in with what mlb networks the shredder produced for their top 10 starting pitchers right now and coming in at number 10 a guy we touched on and i know we're gonna have an issue with is julio urias of the los angeles dodgers
0: yeah i mean i don't know that's just a it's a it's not terrible. I mean, he's clearly very good. I have him at fifteen, but I already made my arguments for why I didn't think he was a top ten starting pitcher. The volume in the the aggregate volume is there because he's been healthy and because he's pitched, you know, every fifth day for the last two years. But the per start volume is really not there. He's not gonna go deep into a game. He's not going to dominate a lineup. He's not gonna win you a playoff game, you know, on his back. So for that reason I really didn't think he was deserving of a top 10 spot but I I guess I can see where they're coming from because he did have a very 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 good ERA uh, the last two years
1: yep I couldn't say any better than you just put it there coming in at number nine I don't know if we're gonna have an issue with this I'm curious what your thoughts are I think it's wrong but we'll have to see what you think Johnny and that is Jacob DeGrom at number nine
0: honestly okay when I was making my list and I had DeGrom at five I had to take a little sneak peek at the mlb network list because i was like oh degrom at five that's kind of low i don't know am i like am i crazy for putting him at five even though he's so good and then i saw they had him at nine and i was like okay never mind <laughs> we're fine <laughs> i can mean, keep him at five yeah wow definitely took me by surprise to see him that low i mean yeah i guess i mean it's you're just playing on the fact that he had so many he missed so many starts and you could I guess you can have an argument for not even having him on this list. If you don't think he's going to pitch so much next year that it matters. But I mean, talent wise, obviously he's number one. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it's fine. It doesn't feel right, but I don't know. Nothing real really feels right with the Grom.
1: Yeah. I think that that is kind of how I was thinking along the lines too. It, It feels wrong, but is it? I don't know. So coming in at number eight, is going to be Zach Wheeler. We touched on him, and I'll kind of give a sneak preview. They don't have Aaron Nola on the list, so they also like Zach Wheeler ahead of Nola, and they put him in at number eight, which I think is a fair spot, kind of right around where we had him. So there's your Zach Wheeler pick. At number seven, a guy that you had on your list that we agreed upon having on our list at number 10, but he comes in all the way at number seven. And I have to be honest, I don't think this is crazy. Max Fried
0: no it's not crazy I do think it's a little I don't know I would like to see Strider on this list too and that's kind of hypocritical because he wasn't on my list but having Freed without Strider I don't know they're definitely very different but I think Strider is certainly on that talent level and the only thing holding him back would be just the volume but given the fact that he's dominated the minors he dominated his first year last year and By all accounts, he's healthy, raring to go, hasn't had any recent injury history. I think he deserves a spot for sure. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with Freed being this high, but I would like to see Strider be up there as well.
1: Okay, so then coming in at number six, right where you had him, Johnny, is the two-way superstar Shohei Otani. And right in front of him at number five, this is even lower than I had him, Sandy Alcantara.
0: Wow. That I do have a problem with. I don't like Sandy that low at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I clearly just value that workhorse ability going deep into games, posting up every fifth day a lot more than they do. So I don't know. I mean, that's just a style preference, you know, uh, just a what do you like more? And if they like the the per start dominance, then that's what they like. And they're fine to put Alcantara that low. But I disagree with that personally.
1: Yeah, I do too. And I know I had him personally at number four, but I did not have him as a close number five. I had him closer to number one than I did number five. So yeah, I agree with you there. Don't find any sort of agreement on that. So coming in at number four, the first New York Met to come off the list, and that is Max Scherzer. We had him consensus at five. So no real gripes there. Uh, Coming in at number three was Carlos Rodon. That's where I had him. So I like that. I know that's way above where you had him, Johnny, but I don't think you have too much of an issue of having him in that top five. But maybe in front of Alcantara, that seems a little aggressive. But I'm sure that they have their reasons. And then that number two, and this leaves you down to the AL Cy Young winner last year, Justin Verlander versus Corbin Burns. And they did agree with us that Corbin Burns is the number one starting pitcher in all of baseball, meaning Justin Verlander, you're the number two starting pitcher in the entire sport going into the 2023 season. Johnny, what do you think of that list?
0: It's really hard to judge. I wouldn't say it's their worst list by any means. Um, I don't agree with all of it, but there's just so many different ways you can go with this list that I think it's probably fine. We'll see how it plays out this year. Obviously, I'm probably the most intrigued to see where these guys go next year because this is always the list outside relievers I suppose is always the list that could see the most fluctuation year to year because any of these guys in the 11 to really any of them considered can jump into this top 10 and any of these guys even in the top 10 can make a push with another spectacular year so can't wait to see what happens next year and uh, we'll see whose list is better
1: exactly to quickly kind of wrap down or yeah, wrap down this episode, I'm going to quickly go over what you and I, Johnny, had as our consensus top ten, and then we'll we'll call it for this a little bit longer of an episode here. But I think that was understandable given the nature of the position. So at number ten we had Max Freed, followed by Spencer Strider. Coming in at number eight was Shohei Otani. Number seven Zach Wheeler. Number six Justin Verlander. With number five being his teammate Max Scherzer. Number four. Sharing the same city as those two, that's going to be Carlos Rodon. Formerly of the same city, at number three for us, was Jacob deGrom. NL Cy Young Award winner of 2022, Sandy Alcantara, checking in at number two. And 2021 Cy Young Award winner for the National League, Corbin Burns, is the number one starting pitcher on Johnny and I's list. So with all that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I hope this was a fun one to follow along. I know it was a fun list to do. And I have to be honest, Johnny, I'm getting a little sad that we only got one more list.
0: Yeah, it's been fun for sure. So yeah, catchers are up next. Last position on the docket, uh, rounding out the 10 that we considered. No DHs because there's just not that many full-time DHs in Major League Baseball nowadays. But yeah, catchers are up next. We'll see how much we believe in Adley Rutchman's One season of Dominance next time out. So we will see you then. Thank you all for listening.
1: Later.